0: This episode is brought to you by AARP. 16 years from today, Greg Gerstner will finally land the perfect cannonball. Epic Splash. Unsuspecting Friends. A work of art only possible because Greg is already meeting all these same people at AARP volunteer and community events that keep him active and involved and help make sure his happiness lives as long as he does. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org local
1: it was a record-breaking day at the travelers championship russell knox won the tournament but he had to take second stage because jim furek shot a 58 in the final round at tpc river highlands the lowest score ever recorded on the pga tour and a piece of history for a former major champion i'm will gray welcome into monday scramble i got the place myself be kicking my feet up and stretching out here In a few minutes, but we're going to talk Olympics, and we're going to talk about the Travelers. We're going to have to start with Jim Furyk's 58, and to do that, I'm going to bring in GolfChannel.com senior writer Ryan Lavner, who joins us on the phone. Lav, how are you doing there?
0: Doing good, Will. How about yourself?
1: I am doing well. Now, listen, you and I were both at Conway Farms back in 2013 when Jim Furyk shot a 59. Help put into consideration and, and comparison that effort versus what we saw yesterday, a 58 At TPC River Highlands.
0: Yeah, I think one of the most important aspects to look at when you're breaking down these these super low rounds, these crazy low rounds that we see every so often on the PGA Tour, is the strokes gained comparison. And when means strokes gained, if a guy shoots 59 and the scoring average for the day is 71, his strokes gained against the field is 12. So Jim Furyk, when he shot the 59 at Conway Farms in 2013, his strokes gained average was a little bit more than 12 shots. It was a very difficult day. I remember talking to Gary Woodland afterward. And he just said, that is exactly what it looks like when a guy is in the zone. Brant Snedeker looked up at the leaderboard and thought that they'd had a mistake. Now, on Sunday at TPC River Highlands, which is par 70, and Jim Furyk shot 58. Yes, that was an absolutely incredible round. But you have to keep in mind that compared to the field average, it was just a little bit more than 10 shots, 10.7 I believe it was or 10.66 to be specific. So while it was an incredible round and it might never be topped again in PJ Tour history, it's important to put it in the proper perspective. It was the lowest round of PJ Tour history, but it wasn't necessarily the best round of PJ Tour history.
1: All right, I think I can buy that. Uh interesting that he started out 16 shots behind leader Daniel Berger yeah. and at the end of the day they ended up all square for 72 holes. So refunds to all those 72-hole head-to-head matchup bets. But uh, when we're talking about the 58, I we've always thought about when is a guy going to shoot a 58 on the PGA Tour. We've seen six mm-hmm. guys shoot 59. And I don't know why we didn't think of this before, that it's going to help if you're talking about a guy who's already shot a 59. And I think that that really was an aid to Furek yesterday. that He's already been under 60, and he's shot the 59, and I think that that allowed him to go one step further, make that long birdie putt on 16, and really focus on 58 instead of necessarily playing super safe and conservative to make sure that he cracked 60.
0: Yeah, so many guys have talked about, right, like there's a, a mental barrier once you start to get close to golf magic number, but Furek, having already checked that box three years ago, he said he wasn't uncomfortable, he wasn't nervous at the prospect of shooting 59, his nerves and anxiety came from breaking that barrier, which is thought to be unthinkable. But Will, here's the thing that really gets me: on the list of guys who you thought would have shot in the 50s twice on the PGA Tour, Jim Furyk has got to rank near the bottom of that list. You can yeah, see. I'd put him about
1: 172nd, somewhere around there. Right, like
0: yeah. Dustin Johnson, you can see that happening. Jason Day, you can see that happening. Roy McIlroy, you can see that happening. They're just insanely long off the tee. They can cut corners. They can reach par 5s and two, They can make eagles, so on and so forth. Jim Furyk shooting in the 50s twice is really a testament to how gritty this guy is and really the power of sound course management. I mean, the guy just plods his way around the golf course. He's never overpowered a course in his life, and yet to make 10 birdies and an eagle to shoot in the 50s twice really is just astounding. and It just speaks to how
1: how much of a
0: tactician he really is.
1: All right, let's shift a little bit and and look at Hazeltine. I ask you this with a bit of trepidation, but did Sunday's fifty-eight put Jim Furick on the Ryder Cup team?
0: All right, so let's let's break this down a little bit further. I think it's important to note that Davis Love was looking for any reason to put Jim Furick on this U.S. Ryder Cup team. Right. How many I mean, How many
1: times did he say his name at that press conference at Baltusrol that we were at? Seven. And seven. It wasn't
0: just these It wasn't just him saying, you know, Jim Furyk's going to make it a great assistant captain. We're happy to have him part of the team. You know, he's such a great leader. He was saying specifically that if Jim Furyk had played a full season and he didn't sit out eight or nine months because of a wrist injury, that he would have been fifth or sixth in the point points and he would make that team. So it's really something that he needs to kind of, you know, wrap his mind around where Jim Furyk would be on his unofficial points list if he played a full season. Of course, he didn't, and he's played – you know, somewhat somebody, somebody hit or miss. He had to tie for second at the U.S. Open, which is certainly great. But I think other than that, and other than his 58 at the Travelers Championship, he hasn't really done a whole lot. So with the backdrop that Davis Love wanted to put Jim Furyk on the team somehow, some way, just needed a valid reason, I think the 58 is plenty good reason. And he can spin that as saying, you know what, if he had a full season, we could have seen more play like that out of Jim Furyk.
1: I'm all about, uh, from an American perspective, trying to do something different than what has been done the last 15 or 20 years. Pick Jim Furyk uh, probably does not qualify on that side of things. But I agree with you. I think Davis Love is looking for a reason to pick Jim Furyk, and he may have just given him one, especially if he plays well at the Barclays. I mean, we're, not,
0: we're not saying that Jim Furyk should be on the team. Right. We're saying he we're saying probably that Jim will be. Probably will be on the team. And look, you can you can look at his, his, his veteran leadership. This would be his 10th consecutive Ryder Cup team. The fact of the matter is, he has the most losses of any player in U.S. history. He has 20 losses in the Ryder Cup. So, yes, he has experience. It's just not good experience. <laughs> right. At age 46 with all the nerves, you're just not sure how much better it's going to
1: get. Uh, looking into your crystal ball, if let's, let's go down the rabbit hole and say that Furick does make the list or does make the team as one of the four captain's picks. Who in your mind is most in jeopardy of the marquee guys currently outside the bubble? Bubba, Snedeker, Kucher, Ricky Fowler. Who could get squeezed out by a Jim Furyk pick?
0: I think I think Sned is safe. I I know Patrick Reed. Uh, what's he on eighth? eighth yeah, Patrick Reed's eight. eight right now. Yeah. So he could. I mean, he could potentially fall out if, if he doesn't. Obviously, he's playing the Olympics, but um, if he can't get it going after the Barclays, but I think Patrick Reed is safe. I think Snedeker is safe. I think Matt Kuchar is safe. He has nine top tens for the season. So really, it's between Bubba Watson and Ricky Fowler. I would tend to say that Ricky Fowler is going to make that team. He's just so highly thought of. He at least. Won a tournament uh, earlier this year, even though he hasn't played well. And Bubba Watson just really hasn't done anything of note since Riviera. And if you already have a JB Holmes type on a team, Bubba's kind of intangibles and in the things he brings to the golf course in terms of just bombing it all over Hayes' team, which is a very long course it's kind of negated if you already have a J.B. Holmes on a team. So I think Bub's in jeopardy.
1: See, I feel like Ricky Fowler is much safer than either Kucher or Snedeker, but especially Kucher. But that's just my thought. I think that Fowler's so good in the team room. I think that he's, he can be so streaky in a good way. I think he's a great home field advantage player. He's going to get the crowds ramped up. You can up. put him with anyone. Right. He might, he might shave you know the Star Spangled Banner into his head again. Who knows? So I, I think Fowler is very likely to make that team, but we'll have to see. Maybe there's another... 58 in the cards. And let's look at the other side of the pond. while we're sticking with the Ryder Cup and talk about the Travelers Championship winner, Russell Knox. He gets his second PJ Tour win of the season. And now all of a sudden, the Scotsman is on this bubble for Darren Clark's Ryder Cup squad. Lab, he's up to 10th in the world points list. The top nine are going to qualify. Do you feel like Knox is now a guaranteed pick for Darren Clark if he doesn't make it on merit?
0: Well, he should be a guaranteed lock for the team. I think if you counted the fall, and he obviously won WGCHSBC HSBC Champions, lost in a playoff to Graham McDowell uh, in Mexico. If those points had counted, I believe he'd be all the way up, all the way up to fourth
1: yeah, on that fourth. world
0: point list. So if, if Davis Love has this quote-unquote unofficial points list that he's using to judge players who maybe didn't get points in the fall or they were hurt or whatever his, his random calculations may be, Darren Clark should have a similar attitude and a similar uh, kind of strategy in place. But it is going to make his wild card picks that much more difficult you think for now who russell knox is going to be potentially beating out one of those picks right well i mean you're looking at Graham mcdowell you're looking at shane lowry you're timer. looking at lee westwood who Martin is an timer. automatic pick for me yeah timer mark i was played terrific this year um and just hasn't really had a, a whim to show for it so russell knox should be on that team you could very easily see him having three wins so far this pJ tour season even though he only has two but darren clark has some tougher decisions to make than perhaps he thought last week
1: yeah, I think the other problem for Darren Clark is the component of the team. Right now, the nine guys that are going to automatically qualify for the Euros, If it, as it stands right now, you have five rookies on that team. Knox would make it a sixth rookie. A guy like Shane Lowry, who played so well at Oakmont, would be another rookie. So he's got plenty of new blood. I think that he really wanted to go in the direction of veterans with those three picks. I agree with you. I think Lee Westwood is a lock after playing so well at the Masters and a couple other tournaments this year. And then you might you only have... I
0: think would be a lock.
1: Yeah, you might only have one pick for a guy like G-Mac, Kimer, Soren Kelton, who's played really well. It could be tough to, to crack it as a pick. But there's a lot of guys right on that bubble, and now Knox has really kind of made those waters a little more murky with his play. Because I agree with you. I think he probably should be on, especially since he didn't get on because of a technicality. He didn't get points. For that win in Shanghai, that was pretty impressive.
0: And you think it's some of those rookies now who aren't playing well now as we head into a very important stretch of the season, even though the major championships are done, there's still a lot to play for. Uh, Matt Fitzpatrick has not played well of late. Andy Sullivan has not played well of late. So if you can put a guy like Russell Knox, who obviously broke through once again at TPC River Highland, it can only help your team. I think you, Darren Clark just needs to throw out the rookie or veteran who is playing best right now. You're already going to have some veteran leadership with Lee Westwood on that team.
1: Definitely agree. We will see, again, the picks. The automatic players qualify on August 28th, and then the Euro team fills out their three picks, and then Davis Love makes his picks in September. But right now, Lav, it is finally here. After 112 years, golf is returning to the Olympics. We've got, of course, Jay Coffin and Rex Hoggard both somewhere on the Copacabana Beach down in Rio. They're going to be covering it all week uh, for the next two weeks, actually. For golfchannel.com. But Lav, we've been talking about this for months who's in, who's out, what the 60 man field is going to look like, what the course is going to look like. Now that it's here, we're getting some visuals. We've seen Ricky Fowler Snapchatting it up through the opening ceremonies in his first couple of days in Brazil. What are you most looking forward to this week down in Rio?
0: I'm looking forward to seeing how these athletes' perspectives are going to change. I mean, the entire year we've talked about who is going to be missing from this and why the golf should not be in the olympic rotation how we just need to focus on major championships you know don't even put it in 2020 the guys just don't want to be there and i think since the opening ceremonies you've already started to see a shift in some of these guys but this is bigger than just another golf tournament they're they're alongside the, the other athletes in the village there they're at the opening ceremonies they're you know walking through that and having the national anthems for each country played it just fills them with so much pride and they're they're actually recognized as athletes now so i think you're already starting to see that perspective change and i only think that's going to going to to play out and con, continue to play out as the actual tournament begins but i think on sunday i think you're going to see tears i think you're going to see raw emotion i think you're going to see guys just overflowing with pride and it's going to be a very special moment that maybe a month or two ago we thought we would just kind of shrug it off as just another golf tournament.
1: We've always talked about that quote from Ricky Fowler he threw out last year. This is a dream come true that he never thought he could dream of, that uh, this is something that guys haven't really thought of as a possibility in terms of golf in the Olympics, but now it's coming to fruition. It'll be interesting to see. Now looking at the field, Henrik Stenson, Open champion, number five in the world. He's the top-ranked player among the 60 men who are teeing it up this week in Rio. Vegas makes him the betting favorite, followed by Sergio Garcia. Would you agree with that setup?
0: Oh, yeah, you have to. I mean, when you look at that, Henrik Stenson, he had a great opportunity, went back-to-back majors, just let it go a little bit on the back nine at the PGA. I, I would put, put Sergio second on kind of the Olympic power rankings. He's basically done everything this summer, except when he had a couple of top five finishes in some majors. And a, a guy who, yes, it, it's not a, it's, he, he is a household name, especially here in the States, Patrick Reed. I mean, this guy, once you get in these, Team competitions, although it's an individual stroke play, he just wants to win. He wants to have the stars and stripes on his back, on his bag. He wants to play. and He wants to win for his country. I'm not sure during this run-up to the Olympics any player has been more animated and more excited about representing his country than Patrick Reed. I think that's going to spill over here.
1: I definitely agree with that. We saw how much of a change he underwent just in terms of when he played at Glen Eagles in the Ryder Cup in 2014. I was going to ask you, my question was, which American do you think is going to have the best week among Bubba, Ricky Fowler, Patrick Reed, and Matt Kuchar? I do think it's interesting. Bubba and Patrick Reed played all four rounds together at the Travelers and then chartered the same jet from Connecticut to Rio. So no shortage of quality time among uh, the two teammates. But is Patrick Reed your top American pick this week?
0: Patrick Reed and I think you just have to put Matt Kuchar kind of 1B just by default. I mean, he can You think he's going to be can, inspired
1: by being around all the table tennis guys? Uh I would certainly hope
0: so. I mean, that's that's really that's really Kuchar's sport. He might he might sneak off and see if he can grab a paddle. Uh but I think I think you'd put Matt Kuchar maybe 1B in terms of finishers. I mean, he it's it's a mediocre field I guess you could say. It's equivalent to the RBC Canadian Open in terms of strength of field. So I think Matt Kuchar can just have a decent week and finish, you know, Fourth, fifth, sixth. If he has a good round, maybe he can get up on the medal stand. But backdoor uh,
1: bronze medal for Matt Kuchar?
0: Yes, I think that's certainly what's going to. Ha- I I learned something new. You're going to
1: have a playoff. Yes, I saw that too. I didn't I didn't know that. All the those places. sports do co medalists, and we're going to have sudden death for third place. Yeah, I mean that could be unbelievable. Matt Kuchar
0: versus Enterbahn Lahiri for a bronze medal. I think Boy. you should just get excited now and <laughs> make sure you're in front of the TV for that.
1: Hey, at least now he knows what the format is. Last week at the Travelers, he thought it, they were still playing in teams, but now he knows individual stroke play. All right, so we've talked That's Americans. Terrifying. It is a little bit. We've talked Americans. We've talked top guys. Let's go a little bit for a deeper dive. This field goes way down. We're talking Espen Kofstad, Rodolfo Casabon, Jose Felipe Lima. this. Give is, me a... this is right up. This is right up your alley. Oh, I mean, I'm totally. Is, I'm, I'm all there. This is like Statman Central. Who are
0: <laughs> who are like some of your sleeper picks? That you just can't wait to spot up on this podcast.
1: Uh, well, I. I do like Padre Carrington. I think from talking to him about Baltusrol, that's not quite as deep a dive as I think you were hoping for. But he's really excited for the chance to represent Ireland. Obviously, he needed a, a few guys to withdraw in order to get the opportunity. But I think that he is in position to have a great week. He's going to stay the entire second week. He and the family, they're going to two Olympic things a day. They've got all their tickets booked. He's really circled this on his calendar. But in terms of other guys, Kiri Barnrat, great player <laughs> from Thailand who's played well on the European tour he could totally uh, do well. And then I would look at the Belgians. Thomas Peters, Nicholas Colsarts, those are two. Uh, Peters especially is a rising star. Nicholas Colsarts hits it a mile. He kind of fell off in form a, a couple years ago. But remember 2012 at Medina, what he what he showed and how he performed in route to helping Europe get that victory. So those are a couple guys I've got my eye on. What about you? Anything?
0: Yeah, I think it's also, you know, when you're looking at this golf course, it's not overly long. It's just a, a shade over 7,100 yards. It's a par... Seventy-one, I believe it is. You're going to see, you know, some wild fluctuations at the end. I mean, 16 is a drivable par four, 17 is a short par three, 18 is a reachable par five. So you could have a guy potentially, you know, a couple shots back of, of maybe metal contention, and then goes eagle, birdie, eagle to to steal one of the medals. But I mean, a, a guy, if you're if you're looking for a good story, Anirban Lahiri or SSB Chaurasia. Uh, from India would certainly be, be great golf is just kind of a, a burgeoning sport in that country and, and if you're looking to actually grow the game, an India win here would be just about the best case scenario for kind of the organizing bodies for this.
1: I would definitely agree with that and also keep in mind the winner of the gold medal is going to get in all four majors so we could see in addition to the Masters field uh, with kind of an off-the-beaten-path name but one other guy I want to throw out because you are our college expert. How about C.T. Pan, former Washington Husky standout playing for Chinese Taipei and playing well this year on the Web.com Tour. Anything?
0: He's a, he's a, he's a terrific player. Nearly, uh, nearly ran down uh, Bryson DeChambeau at the NCAAs in 2015. One of Washington's most winningest players, and he's certainly had a good year. Looks like he's going to be set for the PGA Tour next season. He's a little fella. I mean, he's,
1: hey, he's gets maybe 5'5", 5'6",
0: foot five, five foot but his game is so sharp. He's got great creativity around the green, which is going to be uh, really key at the Olympic golf course.
1: Well, I, for one, am excited to see how this plays out. Like I said, we've been talking about it for months, not sure what it looks like. Now we're seeing visuals of the course. We're seeing the players decked out in all of their gear for the various countries. So it's going to be a big week for Golf Channel NBC. Uh, Certainly exciting to see who steps to the podium to accept that golf's first gold medal since 1904. So Ryan Lavner, senior writer, golfchannel.com, thank you much for joining us. Keep in mind, for all the coverage of the Rio Olympics, we've got Jay Coffin and Rex Hoggard, both down in Rio for this week at the men's golf competition and for next week when the women in a field of 60 women tee it up and also play for their gold medal. So that's going to do it for this edition of Monday Scramble. Keep it locked at golfchannel.com. Thanks again to Ryan Ladner for joining us. I'm Will Gray. We'll see you next week.